Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 69, for the love of the game, let's rock. Fell asleep watching Sports Center. Woke up on some shit. Gotta appreciate the grace. Got them screaming on call. They just want more. Black mama. Got them screaming on call. They just want more. Yeah, who you know did it like cold? 60 to go. That's some cold shit. Call it 60 below. I mean, he played like he got ice in his veins. Shoot it in your face from far, man. That boy gotta be nice at the range. I talked with him twice at the games. Once at the traded on video. I say we had a nice little exchange of words. He said, You gotta come and spice up the game. Say word. Kobe giving me advice is insane, absurd. Your favorite player you watch slice through the lane. It's putting you on the game and the price of this fame. These are things that let you know that your life's gonna change. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Episode 69 for the love of the game. Not going to lie or sugarcoat this one. Uh, I anticipated this episode going very differently. But the sports news, uh, the sports landscape is constantly changing. Uh, and yesterday's news, well, that was a change I never would have uh, imagined coming. The headline, Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter accident at 41, was something I never imagined I would be talking about. Uh, last couple of days were a tough pill to swallow. For my childhood and youth, uh, Derek Jeter was elected to the Hall of Fame. Eli retired officially. And yesterday, um, that news about Kobe Bryant blows all that out of the water. I had a lot of topics I wanted to cover tonight. Uh, I was going to talk about Jeter's Hall of Fame vote, Eli's retirement, LeBron ironically passing Kobe Bryant on the all-time scoring list, Zion Williamson's start to his career and what was supposed to dominate the show, the, uh, the Super Bowl preview with the Super Bowl being uh, this coming Sunday in Miami. But really, all that changed yesterday. So many thoughts, so many emotions, honestly. Uh, so before going into it further, a quick rundown on a few of the topics I just mentioned. Uh, so real quick, again, just to get this um, you know, kind of out of the way. Derek Jeter was one vote shy of unanimous for the Hall of Fame. Honestly, I, I don't really care that much uh, about it. The way the writers vote, and the thing is with this unanimous thing is so stupid. But I will say, if you're the guy who just didn't vote for Derek Jeter because that was the thing to do, uh, you probably should lose your vote. Eli Manning's retirement from the Giants. Well, all of us Giants fans saw this coming. The last few years are kind of ugly. But the man was all class, always handled himself properly with the media, and rose to the occasion in the biggest moments. He gave me and Giant fans two incredible runs, two incredible moments. And yes, he should be in the Hall of Fame someday soon. His career deserves its own segment on the show, and I'll probably get to that eventually. Uh, kudos to you, Eli. A great, great run. You know, one of my favorite New York athletes ever. Uh, Zion Williamson finally made his season debut for the New Orleans Pelicans. The number one pick is finally back after what looked like a dud in his first game, uh, last week, last Wednesday night, he exploded in the fourth quarter, 17 straight points, making a bunch of threes. 
Yeah, he looked out of shape, but when he went off, it was electric. He's now played three games. He's rounding into shape a little bit more. He looks a little bit more fluid. He had his first career double-double yesterday, 21 rebounds. I should say 21 points, 11 rebounds. The small sample size of what he's done so far has been great. And once he gets into shape, I mean, he's just going to get better and better. Uh, He's going to dominate this league if he stays healthy. As a basketball fan, all I can uh, hope for is that he stays healthy and fulfills his promise because he's got a lot of it. Super Bowl 54, as I mentioned, uh, what was supposed to be the um, the crux of this show, Kansas City Chiefs versus the San Francisco 49ers kicking off next Sunday. Should really be a great game. Uh, a couple of quick bets I like. It was really supposed to be uh, the main topic of this show, but, you know, that, you got to roll with the punches sometimes. Um, but uh, uh, and again, uh, but I'll rattle off these quick bets uh, somewhat quickly. Uh, first and foremost, about the game, I like the Chiefs uh, minus one and a half. I like the Chiefs to win. Will there be a successful two point conversion? Uh, minus one hundred five. Uh, yes, I believe there will be. Will there be a missed extra point? I would say yes at plus 240. Jimmy Garoppolo pass attempts. I like the over, over 29 and a half. Patrick Mahomes completions. I like the over at 25 and a half. And lastly, MVP odds for the game. Here are a couple of plays I like, uh, a couple of long shots. Uh, first, if you like the Chiefs to win, what I would do is I would parlay the uh, the Kansas City money line and Patrick Mahomes to win MVP. Uh if you don't want to do that, you want to go a little bit more of a long shot with the Chiefs, I would say Tyreek Hill at plus 1,900 is is not bad. We saw it with Julian Edelman last year, um, Tyreek Hill plus 1,900. Uh, if you like San Francisco to win, I would say Debo Samuel at th- plus 3,800 is a real, is nice value. And, and even uh, George Kittle at not George Kittle, I'm sorry, Greg Kittle. Stupid, uh, pardon my take, guys, over at Barstool. Even Greg Kittle at plus 1,200 is a nice, interesting, long-shot bet. Should be a really exciting Super Bowl. I'm looking forward to watching the game next Sunday. All right, so now back to the biggest story of the weekend. Yesterday's news, Kobe Bryant, uh, again, is uh, dead at the age of 41. Still feels weird to say, talking about him in his life, uh, in the past tense, not talking about his career in the past tense. It just doesn't feel right. Just just really, really strange. And before going on about Kobe, it's important to note that there were eight other lives that were lost yesterday in the in the tragedy, and two of them were 13-year-old girls. Just madness, hard, hard to really comprehend. It, it's And again, it's important that their lives, because they're far less famous than Kobe Bryant, uh, they, their lives should not be minimalized too. But because Kobe was such a prominent figure in sports and pop culture, obviously he's going to be the headliner as he resonated with so many people uh, in so many different ways. This moment for a lot of us is kind of like uh, for people who were alive when JFK was shot, in the sense that... We all remember exactly where we were when we heard the news yesterday. I mean, I was walking back from the movies. I had just seen Bad Boys for uh, for Life. Stopped in at Starbucks on 70th and Broadway. Bumped into my buddy uh, and friend of the program, Ari Pomper. The two of us were nursing iced coffees. And then we got the news and we were in shock. TMZ broke the story. We were refreshing Twitter and the TMZ website, which had crashed TMZ broke the story. We were refreshing Twitter and the TMZ website, which, by the way, crashed because there was so much traffic. We were constantly trying to refresh 
uh, just to make sure it was true because we couldn't believe that it was in fact true. A few Kobe career accolades before we get into uh, other stuff. And what a career this guy had. I mean, but just to name a few, 18-time All-Star, 2-time scoring champ, 5-time NBA champion, 2-time finals MVP, All-NBA teams 15 times, 4-time All-Star game MVP, uh, All-Defense 12 times, Fourth all-time in scoring, which, uh, ironically, LeBron James just passed him on Saturday night, which is just just crazy to put in um, in context of what happened yesterday. And then there were the moments that he gave us. Winning the dunk contest at 18 years old, being the youngest player ever to play in an NBA game, his first All-Star game in Madison Square Garden, uh, the one-on-one he had against Michael Jordan that game in 1998, the lob to Shaq to complete the 15-point comeback against Portland in the Western Conference Finals in 2000 that led to uh, Kobe and Shaq's first of three titles together. By the way, had they not completed that comeback after years of playoff failures against Utah and San Antonio, where Kobe uh, was famous for airballing shots in Utah as a rookie. Uh, the Kobe and Shaq era may have not never even gotten off the ground. I mean, obviously, we know how it shook out. They three-peated, and then it broke up in 2004 after those finals. But if they don't complete that comeback in 2000, you know, that, that era never, never starts, maybe. Game 4, 2000 uh, NBA Finals in Indiana. This was really Kobe's first real seminal breakout moment where Shaq fouls out and Kobe cool calm and collected basically says I got this and dominates and wins it wasn't just the scoring it was the rebounding Uh, it just did everything in that game uh, to give the Lakers a 3-1 lead in that series the 2001 Lakers I mean Shaq was insane but go look at Kobe's game logs in the playoffs it was almost as good that Laker team went 15-1 in the playoffs to go on and win championship number two of their three-peat I mean they swept a Spurs team that was the number one seed that year, and they swept them like it was nothing. They also swept a 55-win Sacramento team that was a really good team. And they just bulldozed right through those guys. I mean, the 2001 Lakers was one of the one of the real dominant runs of all time. I mean, and then there's the three-peat. Probably the last three-peat we're ever going to see given the landscape of the league right now and how... You know, the player movement, all that kind of stuff. There was the split with Shaq, which was an ugly divorce. Um, There was the 81-point game. 81 damn points. I mean, just absolutely surgical and so perfectly Kobe. Not a whole lot of passing, but the array of shots, the artistry, the footwork, it was a damn masterpiece. By the way, that season in 2006, he averaged... Over 35 points a game that year while shooting 45% from the field. While playing with Smush Parker, Devin George, and Chris Mims starting. I mean, just just ridiculous. That same year, he dropped 62 points in three quarters against the Dallas Mavericks team. That same Dallas Mavericks team, by the way, went to the NBA Finals. So they were no slouch. And Kobe absolutely demolished them on a Sunday afternoon. Then there was the 2008 MVP year. Ironically, I thought he deserved the MVP in 06 and not 08, but still. Uh, 2009-2010, the back-to-back titles and the birth of the really, the real coming out party of the of the the Black Mamba and the Mamba mentality. I mean, there were so many game-winning shots along the way. And then 60 points in his final game. 60 Damn points with his body failing him, and he was gassed, but he put up a 60-piece anyway. He shot 22 of 50. 50 shots. It was just so perfectly Kobe, uh, and 
they ended up winning the game. Uh, but, you know, and he's had so many moments uh, for basketball fans, uh, for Laker fans. But uh, my, my favorite couple of moments was uh, the 2008 gold medal game against Spain on the heels of the uh, 2004 Olympic disaster in Athens. The game was way more important than we realized. And Kobe, uh, when it was nut crunching time, took that game over. He was the proverbial adult in the room, while LeBron James was probably the best overall player for for Team USA that year. Everybody kind of got a little tight in that fourth quarter, and Kobe Bryant was like the adult in the room, brought home the gold, made every big play down the stretch. Uh, Two, the 2010 Game 7 Finals, admittedly one of his worst games of his career. I mean, he shot 6 for 24. A couple of those shots were absolutely atrocious looks over double teams. I mean, he was literally throwing the game away. In the biggest game of his life, he was throwing the game away. And I was actively rooting for the Celtics that night. Kevin Garnett was always my guy, um, so I was I was rooting for the Celtics. And then the fourth quarter, Kobe just absolutely willed his team to win, attacking the glass, rebounding the hell out of the ball. Pau Gasol played well. Ron Artest made the big three. But uh, it can't be overlooked how... Weirdly impressive that game was for Kobe. Uh, there was this get ri- at three. There was this random game in Toronto, uh, regular season, so it wasn't even a p- big playoff moment where he makes a series of threes to cap a comeback and win an overtime with a dunk. I mean, his body—he wasn't the peak athlete anymore. But it, it, the array of shots and the difficulty of those shots was just was just just crazy. I mean, he caught it off the inbounds uh, between two guys pump faked and made a three. I, I just, I really, it, it was, it was jaw dropping. Uh, and then lastly, I mean, when he hit the two free throws after he popped his Achilles in 2013, I mean, the guy was tough as nails. He had a ridiculous pain tolerance. I mean, this is the same guy who broke his middle finger on his shooting hand and retaught himself how to shoot and won a title doing that, by the way. Uh, he was magnificent to watch. The footwork was impeccable. I mean, I watched countless of hours of YouTube videos on his footwork to try to perfect my own pull-up jump shot, specifically going to my right, how he pivoted off his left foot and, and drove, um, you know, and was able to to shift his weight off of his left foot going right, square his shoulders. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times... Uh, I, I watched that over and over again to uh, to try and get my uh, my pull up game right. I mean, he was so perfectly imperfect as a player and as a teammate. He was demanding, sometimes a dick, sometimes standoffish. He had issues trusting teammates. He also chose a game seven in two thousand six against the Suns to make a point and not shoot during the fourth quarter because he was having a little bit of a meltdown, causing the Lakers to lose. He was kind of protesting the rest of his roster. So, you know, he wasn't perfect. He was difficult to play with at times. He was difficult to coach. I mean, Phil Jackson wrote a book and basically trashed him in 2004. He demanded a trade and ultimately backed off it when they had a trade in place with Detroit. They were going to send him to Detroit in 2007. But for me, there's something lovable about a guy who has these these imperfections like that and and was you know just just had a character to him my my biggest thing that i look for personally in sports when it comes to what athletes what basketball players i pull for is are you going to put in the work are you going to give me max effort basically all the time it's why i love guys like russell westbrook kobe 
Kevin Garnett, and Allen Iverson, just to name a few guys, all of whom were flawed players, but maxed out and got the most out of their talents and always gave a shit. Kobe got the absolute most out of his natural God-giving ability. And there's something that I can respect since, for me, someone whose highest level of basketball was a few practices with a D3 college team and basically being a weekend warrior now, that if I had those natural gifts that a guy like Kobe Bryant had, that I would... I like to think that I would max out too. And I would kill for those gifts. And for all the guys who come into the league super talented, who squander away those gifts by not putting in the work, that bothers me. And Kobe never did that. He never cheated the game. I mean, Jay Williams has a story about Kobe Bryant's legendary work ethic. And uh, I'll play the clip in just a second. I always try to outwork people, right? That's just how I made my mark. So the game was at 7. I was like, you know what? I'm going to come to the Staples Center because we're playing. This is when the Lakers had Kobe and Shaq. Okay, this is, this is like the championship Lakers. I was like, you know, I'm going to get there at 3 o'clock. And I want to make sure I make 400 made shots before I go back into the room. And then I sit in the zone and I get ready for the game. Who do I see? I see Kobe Bryant already working out. So once I set my foot across that line, I started working out. And so I worked out for a good hour, hour and a half. And when I came off after I was done, I sat down. And of course, I still heard the ball bouncing. I look down, I'm like, this guy's, this guy's still working out? So he was working out. Like, it looks like he was in a dead sweat when I got here. And he's still going. And it's not like his moves are nonchalant or <laughs> lazy. He's doing, like, game moves, you know? Um, I sit there and I unlace my shoes. I'm like, I want to see how long this goes. I sit out there and watch. Another 25 minutes. And he got done. I said, okay, I think I've seen enough. Go play, you know, come back. Get in the sauna, get ready for the game. That game, he drops 40 on us, okay? And after the game is over, I'm like, I, I have to ask this guy. Like, I, I have to understand, like, why why he, he works like that. Right. So after the game, I'm like, hey, Cove, like, why why were you in the gym for so long? He's like, because I saw you come in. <laughs> and, I, and I wanted you to know that it doesn't matter how hard you work, that I'm willing to work harder than you. Wow. I, I mean... It doesn't get much better than that. For those of us who are fans of the game, who put so much time and and emotional energy into being fans of the game, that's what we want out of our athletes. Right there. Right there. And the results are the results. The accolades, the championships. I mean, he was the closest clone to Michael Jordan that we've ever seen. The mannerisms, the moves. I mean, there's that video circulating on Twitter where you basically put them side to side and and the movements are identical and he was old school and he wasn't about load management and he always busted his ass in practice i mean all these things that i i've really i respect out of athletes now the kobe narrative isn't without a major stain i mean it, it can't be unsaid the the incident in colorado in 2004 where he was on trial for rape and easily could have gone to jail for the rest of his life i mean it was ugly uh and not to go on and on about the the issues uh, relating to our legal system and star treatment, he was tried and the case settled, so it's it's not fair to try him again. I'll say this, though. Very few people are lucky enough to get a second chance at life when something like that happens, but Kobe got that second chance, and he seemed to have made the most of it. He rededicated himself as a family man, as a father, and an ambassador to the game. His post-playing career was going to be great. He'd already won a damn Oscar 
for a short story, Dear Basketball. I mean, how many guys could be that great at something, dive headfirst into something completely different, and then get to the top of that field as well? Remarkable. He also spoke three languages fluently, and I think one or two partially fluently. I mean, the intellect and the talent that this guy had was something so special, and he put in the work to succeed. And he loved being a father. I mean, you've seen a bunch of the the clips coming out right now. Uh, It's been all over social media, all over Twitter. I mean, here's a clip of him on Jimmy Kimmel talking about his daughter Gigi and her love for basketball. And by the way, again, Gigi was was the daughter that was with him who was on the way to practice, on the way to practice uh, at the Mamba Academy who was killed in the accident yesterday. Do you think your daughter might want to play in the WNBA? She does for sure. She does? Like, I, I don't, I mean, this, this kid, man. Wouldn't like, that be great? Dude, man, I, I'm telling you. The, be, the, best thing, the best thing that happens is when we go out and, and, and fans will come up to me and she'll be standing next to me and they'll be like, hey, you got to have a boy. You and V got to have a boy, man. You have somebody carry on the tradition, the legacy. She's like, oi, I got this. <laughs> you know, boy, for that, I got this. I mean, you hear that, and, and it's just it's just so so heartbreaking, so pr- brutal. So, and one last thing about his career, that at the end he was extremely introspective uh, about his place in the league when his body broke down, and he knew he was no longer gunning for titles. He let his guard down, let people in, become a became a really great quote, and honestly, it was refreshing to see. The man who was a villain to so many, a man who had his flaws on and off the court, as I mentioned, was becoming so universally liked, something he never pined for, which made it, you know, re- kind of organic in a way. So you're probably wondering, Aaron, it's a tragedy, but why did this hit home for you this way that it seems to have hit? Why, why was it? you know, difficult for you yesterday. Why do you care so much? I mean, this isn't somebody who was personally tied to you. Like you never met the guy. Why did this bring you to tears yesterday? And the answer is simple and has a few layers. I mean, the first naturally, it makes you feel your own mortality. It puts your life in perspective. Uh, And to be very real with yourself for where you are in life, what you've accomplished, what you're looking to accomplish, what your goals are, what parts of your life you can improve on uh, because life is precious and it could be gone in an instant. And he was 41, not that much older than me. I mean, I'm 32 at the moment. Uh, And of course his daughter, like her teammate was 13. I mean, cut down way too short as a very real cliche answer um, for any tragedy. Um, But yeah, the, I mean, uh, us, us Jews, we, we say it uh, three times a year on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Unatana Tokef, Mi Bikitzo, Mi Bikitzo. Who's going to go in his allotted time and who's going to go before his allotted time? And I mean, life, life can be cruel and it can be really and it can go in an instant. But that's the cliche answer. Um, that's, I should say not the cliche answer cause it's an important answer, but that's the standard answer for when grief in some way and tragedy hits you. But the answer that honestly gets me, <laughs> gets me a little choked up and teary eyed is, is not that answer. And it's, it's really simple. And, and here I go again, I'm going to just gather myself a little bit. I mean, I love the game of basketball. I absolutely love the game of basketball. 
besides from my family and my friends in Yodler, I can't think of one thing definitively that I love more than the game of basketball. It has been a source of some of my greatest frustrations in life. It's been the source of some of my greatest feelings of self-doubt and even regret. But sports, and specifically basketball, has been a place where I can escape for all the real shit in life that goes on. All the pain, all the hurt, and all the anger that I felt um, in, in whatever time period of my life. Basketball has been an escape, whether watching the pros or playing myself. It's always been a major part of me. Growing up as a kid, in my adolescence, and even in my early adulthood, basketball has always been a major part of my life. Watching the games, playing pickup with my my friends, playing one-on-one with my brothers, having barbershop-style debates with my friends and family that have taken up so much time. I mean, basketball is one of the reasons I started this podcast, because I love talking sports, especially basketball with friends and family that love talking it just as much as I do, if not more. And, and Kobe Bryant was a prominent figure in all that. I mean, I grew up with him. I mean, my earliest memories from when I was a child was, was Michael Jordan and Patrick Ewing. But I witnessed all of Kobe's career, modeled my own game after his moves. So a part of my childhood, like so many others, died yesterday. And as a guy in his early 30s who sometimes struggles with the idea of his youth passing him by, I mean, this really stung. It stung a lot, and it still stings. As I said, I use sports as a shield from reality. And that shield had a hole in it yesterday. And that hurts. So yeah, I never met Kobe Bryant. I'm not even a Laker fan. I'm just a guy who's a basketball junkie and is a glorified weekend warrior on the hardwood. Uh, Somebody who still gives himself... Somebody still gives himself a score and an honest assessment of his own play after he plays pickup. I I still do this. Shout out Bucket Wednesdays on Instagram. And Kobe was a bigger part of my life than I ever really imagined. And that's why yesterday sucked so bad. Because at the end of the day, I love this game. And I want to still hold on to the even the naivety that sports doesn't have tragedy attached to it. As stupid as that sounds and as ridiculous as that sounds... Yesterday broke that, and it sucks. It really sucks. And and may all the victims rest in peace, uh, and may their families find peace and and solace in the fact that so many other people, you know, were affected, especially by by Kobe. Um, And and one last thing before I bring on two guests who are going to talk about this more, two Los Angeles Laker fans who are probably feeling the same feelings, if not more, than I'm feeling. Uh, Chris Mannix. Uh, the writer for Sports Illustrated tweeted something beautiful yesterday uh, that the NBA All-Star Game should have one team wear 8, one team wear 24, two of Kobe's numbers. And it's really fitting, and they probably should name the trophy after him also because no one loved the All-Star Game more than Kobe. And yet, it's a glorified it's a glorified pickup game. Uh, not everybody goes super hard all the time. But when Kobe... Kobe brought a sense to that game where he really gave a crap. And when 
there's this anybody who's watched the NBA All-Star game knows this that there's a feeling out process in the beginning of the game, right? You know, people are just trying to get a run, get a little sweat, throw up a couple of highlights, now play a whole lot of defense and then there's a time period where it switches, where all of a sudden starts to get a little bit more serious. It, it, it starts picking up a little bit. And and Kobe brought that energy to the All-Star game. So I, I, I really, I think that that's a really fitting tribute to Kobe. Um, and yeah, and, and with that said, I'm sorry for rambling a little bit. Uh, sorry for getting a little choked up. It's It, it, it really took me by surprise, but uh, with that said, as a, as I just mentioned, we're going to bring on two recurring guests uh, to talk a little bit more about Kobe and what he meant to them in, in just a moment. Okay, I think you guys can expect who my guests are on for tonight. Recurring guests, Laker fanatics, major Kobe fans. Uh, it, it's only appropriate to uh, welcome back onto the program two of my uh, my good buddies, Robert Carpellis, Ellie Javinfard. Gents, I, I didn't think we were ever going to have this conversation, but here we are. So uh, we're having it. Uh, how are you guys doing? Somebody start us off. Go ahead, Rob. Um, I mean, it's obviously... It, it, today's a lot, it's, it's interesting. Today's a lot different just the way that I'm feeling than yesterday. Um, I think to yesterday, my, I mean, obviously you find out about it and you're <clears throat> completely in shock. Um, I mean, the shock hasn't totally worn off, but it's, you know, yesterday was more, there's a lot of different angles to it, right? Like his, his daughter being on the flight, on the, on the, on the helicopter, um, you know, how the Laker team felt, Kobe being gone, you know, the the blame game in terms of, um, you know, how did this happen and why did this happen and all those types of things. Um, and you're talking to friends and you're in group chats and it's just, it's like a really toxic mix of emotions and it's hard to really fathom, you know, how something like this could happen, especially to somebody you just, thought was going to like I thought I, I pictured Kobe being 100 years old like sitting at his daughter's games or sitting at NBA games or you know he's like great granddaughter's games at that point yeah yeah so it just it, it it was surreal I've never you know thank god I've I haven't had many big um passings in my life so to me it was you know a mix of like holy crap I, I don't you know like this is this is awful and moments of well I didn't know him and he's just a basketball player but at the end of the day it's like he's just he's so much more than that I think to me to my friends family the city of LA um it's tough to really even put like if you haven't lived here or you haven't really even grown up with him um it's tough to try to realize what it is that he meant to the city um I mean I could go on and on for hours about you know, how much I looked up to him in the basketball sense and running home from work to, to catch all of his games and school and all that. But the thing that I think the thing that was even tougher, especially yesterday, was how much more he had to give. And it wasn't like he retired and just played beer and I mean, just drank beer and like played golf all day. He had so many more things going 
in terms of what his impact could have been. And I think the fact, A, that his daughter was there, B, how his family is feeling, and then C, um, all the other things and people that he could have touched, that, that he was touching, and the fact that we're losing that now makes it, made everything so much worse. Um, today, I felt a little bit, yesterday, I started telling people, um, you know, that I felt so much joy in, you know, like I got married less than a year ago, my wife, like every time she's home, I, we constantly like text each other, you know, every few days, like, oh, here's a cute picture of Kobe and his wife or Kobe and his daughters, or here's, um, you know, like, look at this awesome Kobe quote, or, you know, also, you know, like my friends and I, we still debate on our, on our WhatsApp chats, like me defending Kobe, like he's, he's still in our lives and it still brings me so much pleasure when I'm just, you know, my wife asked me like, what are you doing? You know, before we go to bed and I'm sitting on my phone, I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm just, just watching this Kobe highlight. Like he hasn't left what we, you know, daily, like our, our, you know, like just thinking about him and all that. And I thought yesterday, like, I can't, I don't know how I'm, I'm ever going to like watch a highlight of him again or see him like in a past interview or something. And today I've, positive thing from today is the way that I'm feeling is I, I, I've started to watch some of his old highlights. I've seen so much stuff on social media and I, it, it hasn't depressed me as much as it did yesterday. And hopefully going forward, I can, um, I can take some, like, I can still gain that pleasure that I've gained from him you know, for the rest of my life. Like I want to tell my kids about him and do everything I can to honor him. And hopefully his memory will still bring me the joy it did when, when he was alive. The last thing I'll say is, is, you know, I, I thought, you know, I've seen, I've seen a lot of so many posts and there's so much, just so many things out there and readings and articles and all that. The one, the one thing I'll say about that, that, that registered with me a lot was um, besides like the personal stuff is, like city of LA is a really big place mm -hmm. and it's, it's so spread out and there's so many different, you know, like there's, there's no such thing as subsections, like, a lot of subsections. Of right. LA. You, right. In New York, you hear like, Oh, that guy's he's a, he's such a New Yorker, right? Like you never hear anybody say, Oh, he's such an Angelino, right? Like there's no, it's, it's, it's a lot of different people here with a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different cultures, Every part of the city is so different from the other part. Santa Monica is completely different than, than downtown LA, so on and so forth. And there really isn't a singular event. Like we don't have like what the Boston Marathon means to Boston or, or what, what New Year's Eve and Times Square has for New York, for New Yorkers. There really isn't a singular event that brings everybody together in LA other than the Lakers. And to me, the times that have been the best in the city where it seems like everybody does come together is when the Lakers have been good and relevant. And all of, and most of that is because in my lifetime is because of Kobe. And I feel like that part is completely, is we lost that. And it's just, it's tough. Ellie, where were you? Um, describe to me the scene where you were when you, uh, when you heard the news, what, what the immediate, what your immediate reaction was. Yeah. First of all, um, Rob, uh, you know, great words man and then and of course you know we all feel it you know it's part of our it was part of our childhood you know we all grew up you know 
spoiled Laker fans having, you know, arguably one of the top five, top ten best players in the in, in NBA history on our team. And like us as uh, us as kids growing up, loving late loving the Lakers, loving basketball, like he was what we looked up to. He was what was the standard. Like, you know, we were we're avid basketball fans, but we also played basketball. We still played basketball and like everyone saw him as like, you know, he was that guy and a piece of me will forever, you know, be torn because of that. You know, like I don't, it's just, it's hard to put it in words, but to answer your question, uh, uh, Tobin, basically I was actually in a little mini getaway, um, with the wife. We went away for the weekend to Oxnard, to this winery. Um, I had, I was actually, um, at the spa and my phone wasn't with me and come back to my phone it's blowing up with texts and calls and messages I immediately ran to my room in the hotel turned on the TV and no network was even like broadcasting anything yet at that point it wasn't nope, verified there, yeah, there was a major delay they were really yeah I- I'll give the networks nothing. credit in this sense and I'll let you continue that they they really held off once the TMZ story broke and you started seeing it on Twitter a little bit. They really held off unless, I should say, until they got absolute confirmation. But yeah, yeah and then I, yeah, yeah, no worries. And then, yeah, which is true. And then I went to Fox News and I saw uh, an unverified reporter, Jim Gray, talking about Kobe and, and how he died. And I was just like, no, it's not real. Like, like, like my first reaction was, this is not real. This is, this is fake. And then once I realized that it actually happened, I was like paralyzed. I was completely like, I just couldn't think, breathe, move. Like it, it literally was like, what? Obi? What? No, not this way. Like his daughter too. And it, it just, just, you know, a, 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 it's like a gut punch that, you know, you feel um, and, and again, and to Robert, to Robert's point too, I was unlucky enough where, thank God, I haven't had any, you know, major, major deaths in my family. Uh, my grandmother died when I was younger and, and that was very, she was very close to me. Um, but, you know, it, it's just, it's just one of those things where you, you know, the world stopped. Literally, LA has stopped. Like, there's no, like, everybody's like either, uh, you know, on social media or posting about Kobe or talking about and 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 seeing where um helicopter had tragically crashed and the media that was there and the amount of uh you know ambulance and police and people and 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 it literally I'm driving home in the car and I'm listening to ESPN radio seven ten and I'm just crying the whole way home, like literally for an hour straight, just crying, like, like listening to people talking about the reports and daughter. And I, I couldn't control myself. It was just one of those things where I, I just felt like a piece of my childhood was taken away from me and ripped out from me. And then you look back and then, and then today, you know, you, you see all the comments you see all the love and all the respect and, 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 you know, you, 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 you know, you try to be strong, but like, it, it still hasn't fully hit me. Like, like to Robert's point, like 
this, he, he had so much potential ahead of him, you know, you know, yes, he was a phenomenal basketball player. Yes. He won an Academy award. You know, he's coaching his daughter. You know, you, you always heard all these all these rumors about, you know, Rob Palinka and his agent and will he ever, you know, become a, like, you know, part of the Laker franchise from a management perspective and owner perspective or, you know, and you always hoped and dreamed and wished, you know, because like, you know, it's, he's Kobe. He, he, he literally is the standard of, of, of basketball excellence in our lives. We're spoiled to have that, you know, throughout our lives. And, and you like, you rush home every day to watch his glimpses. You, you know, before you go play pickup ball, you watch his, his YouTube highlights. Some of us were lucky enough to be at the historic moments, you know, and, you know, at the games and et cetera. And I know we'll get into that as well and our favorite moments and et cetera. But it, it's, it's just a legend and an icon and, 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 and somebody who you feel forever connected to, even though you never had a personal relationship. You know, and, and, and that's what leaves a mark on everybody because, so, you know, everybody in L.A. feels the loss. Everybody in L.A. feels the connection. It's bigger than basketball. It, 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 yeah. It's literally the, yeah. when the, when the Lakers are relevant, L.A. is vibrant. L.A. has that feel. L.A. has that connection. You go down to Staples, you feel it, you know, like, like you bleed purple and gold. So it's just, one of those unfortunate, sad, you know, tragedies where really there, you know, all you could do is just celebrate his life really at this point. So, yeah, a couple of things that you said. Hold on one second. A couple of things you said. I mean, Rob, you and I are not lucky enough to have children of our own yet. Uh, Ellie does. So I can't even imagine. And when uh, the reports with with his daughter was, was it his wife and kids who were on the um, – on the helicopter that was originally reported. Then it was just like, you know, that report was reneged. Like I can't even imagine as like a parent, uh, what that's even like. Um, but in terms of an icon, I mean, who, and I know from somebody who's an outsider, I mean, I'm not a Laker fan. I uh, never really lived in LA except for that, like two and a half, three week stretch where I was there last February. And, you know, as a, as a basketball fan, it, it was, you know, he was a, a part of my life, you know, even more than I ever anticipated. But for you guys, it would be like if for me, like if Derek Jeter was in the same situation, like that's what it would be like. That's the equivalent. And it's just it's just wild. But I, I did want to and I know there's a lot of emotion going on and, and we can go on and on about this. Um, but I, I wanted to re- kind of shift the focus a little bit because you guys did a, a nice job in terms of really illuminating what LA feels like. Cause this is, this is not just a sports story. This is not just a basketball story. This is an LA story, right? But I want to, I, I do want to talk about the basketball a little bit because he gave all of us and, and me a little less so cause I'm just a basketball junkie. Uh, but for you guys as Laker fans, so many moments. Uh, so I guess, uh, Ellie, we'll start with you. If you had to pick your top three Kobe moments or games or whatever, what what would they be and why? And Rob, we'll get to you afterwards. Yeah, I mean that's it's it's tough to to just say three games or three moments, but I mean I can tell you my my favorite one from from being actually at Staples Center at the game. Um, I was lucky enough to witness 
his 81-point performance live. I was one of 17,000 people who can say that. Wow. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's like, it, it, gives me, it gives me goosebumps just talking about it at this point. I, I still have that ticket stub from that game from that night. Uh, unreal, you know, the way he carried the team. Literally bums everywhere. You're talking about Smush Parker and Kwame Brown and Chris Mim. Like that was the starting five of the Lakers, and 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 Kobe was leading the league in scoring that year, and it was unbelievable what he was doing. And it was one of the earlier years from when Shaq had left, and he was you know trying to reestablish himself, prove himself. And they had missed and the playoffs that- the year before. Correct. Yeah, and I I I went to that game. You know, he got he had. 20-something points in the first half. He went off in the second half, 55-something, 55 points. Everything he threw up was going in. People in the in, in the in, in, in the fans in the stadium were hugging each other, crying, like, of tears of joy. Like, it, it was a surreal thing to see somebody score 81 points uh, in a basketball game. I think that was, that was an amazing experience for me. And then I would say... The other Kobe great, great moments that I'll never forget. And there's so many, but like the first, the first championship run where, uh, we went to Indiana, um, in the finals, Lakers were up two one in the series game four Shaq fouls out late in the game. And literally you could see the video of Kobe just being like, yo, I got this right. This was his coming out. This was his coming out party. This was the game. And, 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 yeah, and, and, you know, he was literally at that time, he was 21 years old. He would have been a senior in college had he not skipped, you know, and come to the pros. And, and let's not forget, a few years before in the playoffs, you know, in the big moment, he was airballing threes, he was missing shots, you know, he came up short. And this was his time to show, you know what, you know what, I got this. And he took over the game, and he, he anything he wanted, he got. And he and, and he took the Lakers to a three-one lead, and that's when Shaq came in the press conference and said, "Kobe Bryant's the best player of all time, the best player I ever played with." That has to be up there because that was the first championship in my era that I ever witnessed. Kobe win. Obviously, I wasn't alive for Magic and them, and you know I was too young when he when he won the last one. I was actually born year I was born eighty-seven, eighty-eight. Um, but that and even and my and my third best one, I would say, even though. He didn't win the series, but when he Lakers were a seventh seed, Steve Nash was the MVP of the NBA, of the NBA that year. They gave it to him over Kobe. I don't know why they gave him over Kobe. Kobe was the best player in the league by far. Uh, Kobe didn't get that was the, the MVP well, that, that year. Was, that was the year he scored 81. That was 2006. This was game four, right? This was, yeah. yeah, no, this is game four, shot. 2006, where he hits the shot. Against Phoenix. In overtime to go up three one, I know they lost that series, and 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 the, you know the game six the Tim Thomas tip out and and Lakers got fans got you know the raw end of that of that and it, we did win that series, but that shot that moment a seven speed team Kobe Bryant you know doing it you know and the next team they would have played would have been the Clippers and you know Dallas. And, you know, Dallas, you know, who knows, you know, right? You know, you win that series, you have Kobe on your team. Who knows what, like, like what he could have done, you know? That moment was, uh, was a surreal moment. You know, those, those, those would be 
the top three moments, I would say. Obviously, there's a million more. Uh, you know, I'll pass it to Rob. I'm sure Rob has some great Rob, Rob I'm going to get to you in a second, but just uh, a little bit of background on those. First of all, uh, that year he scored 62 points in three quarters against Dallas. Dallas went to the finals that year, number one. Number two is – and one of the one of the um, – the blemishes on Kobe's uh, career, basketball-wise at least, was in Game 7. That was the Game 7 where he refused to shoot in the fourth quarter because he was making a point of how bad his teammates were uh, when Phoenix took that series. So not that, But yeah, that shot was great. I mean, he came up with the um, that that layup first, right, to, to tie the game where he sidestepped. I mean, it was a great moment. Yeah. Rob. Off the switch. Up the Swish Parker yep. Steel. Yep. Who he tormented and was famous for tormenting. Rob, uh gotta take uh you know, we throw it to you. What were you, what were your your three favorite Kobe moments and why? Yeah, so um I mean all, all the all the moments Ellie gave are all those are all great moments. Was, <clears throat> your first opening uh monologue, Ellie was well said. Try not to choke up all the scenes too. Um Swear you just like have moments throughout the day where you just start like it get like you gets you start choking up a little bit. But um, my three um, I mean, it's in no particular order. Um, one of the ones that always comes to mind was actually not a Laker moment. Um, it's it's the uh, the redeem team moment. I had that on my list. It's number and one. I remember. I remember when like we lost Kobe lost to the Celtics, and I knew I knew that that had to have like ate at him more than any loss, you know, up until that point. And I know how bad he wanted it that year. Um, so it's funny. It's like Laker fans think like <laughs> that Kobe's like their brother, you know, like they talk every day, but it feels that it always felt that way. And it's like, he was us, you know? And I remember he, he lost to the Celtics. Kobe was, I'm sure not, not, not happy. And so the redeem team, I felt like for him was a way to sort of get his, you know, get not revenge, but like, a way to, you know, get get back in in, uh, in the winning spirit again. And I know that team had like LeBron was unreal on that team. Wade was unreal. They they had so many great players. And I I thought it was so interesting how Kobe was like took that back seat to say I'm gonna play defense. I'm gonna be the veteran. I'm gonna get everybody else involved. And I woke up. It was it was obviously it was it was during the summer. The Olympics were in London. And excuse me, in Beijing. And I remember I woke up, God knows what I was doing that summer, probably home from school working or something like that. And I remember um, I woke up every morning at like 3 a.m. to watch Kobe play, to watch the, the, the Redeem team, but obviously to, to root for, for Kobe. And he, he played well, but I always was like, I want him to break out. You know, I want him to go for 41. I'm so used to as a Laker fan, like having these like indelible moments. And he was a good, solid vet on that team. But really LeBron and Wade were running a lot of the show. So I remember going into the gold medal game against Spain. I'm like, oh, Kobe's got to break. You know, they're like, this has to be his moment. This has got to be his game. And it was a Saturday night and I had plans to watch it. I was in New York City and I had plans to watch it. At like I don't know, you know, 2 a.m. I think it started in America, and my buddy of mine, who's getting married the next day, literally goes to me, "I gotta go out to a bar that night," and I'm like, "Dude, I can't, I can't go to a bar. Like, I gotta watch the game. I don't know, is this bar gonna have a TV?" He was sort of like getting cold feet, and he just needed a couple of his closest friends to go out to a bar. And I'm like, "Okay, you know what? Let's do it. I'll do it for you. Let's go to a place where there's a TV." So we pick a place, I don't know, somewhere in the God knows where, meat packing district. We go out. 
and I can barely see the TV. And I'm so frustrated. And at the half, it was really close. And I'm like, I can't believe this is how I'm watching this game. And I said to him, my buddy, said, you know what? I got to go to another bar and watch this. I can't. I can't miss this. I can't watch this second half like this with the TV all the way in the corners, a million people standing around. And he said, okay, go for it. And I went to another bar, found a TV just as the second half was starting, parked at the bar. God knows what I ordered. And I just watched that entire second half by myself. Watch Kobe take over. Watch him hit the four-point play. I don't think I, – I think for me that was like – it's weird to say that's like one of your favorite moments just ever, but – Yeah, the four-point play, the four-point play, dude, I'll never forget that where he where he like hit it and he, and he put his finger up and he's like – and he, yeah. and he, and he put his finger and made yeah. everybody smile. And he took over the fucking fourth. LeBron was sure. deferring to him. Sorry to you off, bro. That was also like – that was up there, man. That was yeah. up there. hundred Hundred percent. So that game um, sits right up there for me. Well, before um, before you go on to your next moments, a couple of thoughts because that was my that's my favorite Kobe moment because when it was nut crunching time, he was the adult in the room, and and yeah, it was the four point play, but there were there were a couple of threes. Uh, there was a baseline three. I mean, he made a runner. He had a pass to Dwight Howard. He made a defensive play on a lob to like I think it was Pau Gasol. Like coming out of nowhere, like he was the adult in the room, and yeah. Doug Collins said it on the broadcast. You know, and I've I've watched the highlights recently. Um, you know, to to prepare for this, does anybody live for these moments more than Kobe Bryant? I remember and it, that, and yep, it was just that. like, and it was just like the answer is no, no one on that team yeah. yet. And and yeah. if you saw it, and this has been said a bunch, and we talk about the. The Olympic experience and 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 Kobe, you know, obviously it was off the heels of 2004, which was the disaster in Athens, where they start this program, right? USA started the program, and yeah, they lost in the World Championships in 2006. They came in third, but Kobe then comes in in 2007, and then the tenor of that changes. The tenor of the whole thing changes, and it's no coincidence that in 2009. LeBron had, up until that point, the best year of his career. Carmelo had, up until that point, the best year of his career. Chris Paul, all these guys. And he had a profound effect on them. And and he was the adult in the room. And, and he led by example. Unbelievable. So, yeah, I that was number one on my list. What, what are your next two? Yeah, definitely. Um, well said. The other two were the Game 7 against Boston. Um, another one on my list. Yeah. I think that I I was there and obviously just the moment getting there, getting tickets going with, I was there with my brother and dad, which is like outside of Ellie, my two favorite people to watch the game with and I watched Kobe with and seeing him, you know, find a way, obviously just the Lakers beating the Celtics and him standing on that scorer's table. But I think just seeing him find a way to beat the Celtics, with you know he there's a lot of you know a lot of people like didn't love his game obviously he didn't shoot well it wasn't what is it a quintessential Kobe game but in a sense I think he's really found a way to win I know it's not like you know cliche he got to the free throw line he he decided to start rebounding he played defense he crashed he crashed the boards that that fourth quarter with reckless abandon yeah it was like even when he chokes he wins and I just remember that, like, just, you know, like that to me epitomized, you know, people say it's like, the, it wasn't, the, you know, the greatest Kobe game. To me, it's like the Kobe game because it he, he just, he found a way to win. 
and that's really what it, all that matters. And that passed to our test and just the whole thing. So I think that's number two. The it, last one. It will hold on one second because yeah, because uh, we're on that game. It was so perfectly imperfect, right? Or imperfectly perfect, I should say. He shot six for twenty-four. He had the busted finger, right? You looked like he was throwing it away, and all the Kobe detractors. He shoots too much. Doesn't trust his teammates, and then fourth quarter. I mean, he was just one of those guys where it was just like in the fourth quarter when even when it was going poorly, you just, as an opponent, you feared that he was going to right the ship. Like, he was never out of it. Um, and it, it just uh, unbelievable. And it was so, it was so perfect. And, and not to go on a, this tangent about, like, the way we analyze basketball now, right? Where we we're all into the stats and the efficiency and, and you'll look back on like Kobe's stats, right? And his career numbers and, and they're going to be detractors, right? That there, he wasn't as great as, as it seems, but all of that is so wrong because if you were there, you know, like you just know. And sometimes it's not about the numbers. Sometimes you just have to view it with your eyes. Cause the goal is in any game, is to win, right? There are two outcomes. There's a win or a loss. And Kobe found ways to win. Go, go ahead. No, it's, it's well said. That's great. Um, the last one is actually uh, one that probably not a lot of people will would ever pick as, a, as like their greatest Kobe moment. Um, I think you guys kind of touched on it with the Pacer game when he came in at overtime. If you... If you look at, I think you guys touched on it, which was the Lakers um, Pacer series uh, when Kobe took over in overtime as like his coming out moment. My favorite moment actually is one that most people don't think about as Kobe's coming out party, so to speak, is that game seven against Portland when he, the Shaq was not playing well in that game. And if you watch the fourth quarter of that game, Kobe played very similar to the way he played in, in that 08 redeem team win, which is where the Lakers were down 15 late in the fourth. And if you watch the fourth quarter, like on, you know, just, just throw it on on YouTube, he took over in the sense where a key rebound, a key block shot, a couple jumpers, a layup, a few assists, etc. Like he had his hand at whatever, you know, 19, 20 years old on nearly every single pivotal play in that fourth and to me the lob to Shaq you know capped it off one of the greatest to me the Laker moments of all time um I remember when he threw that lob I jumped up so high in my in my house I hit like we have like a like a ceiling um like a light ceiling lantern thing and I just like almost knocked myself out like on the floor um, so I'm so happy. So that, that one, um, I think the other one, I'll just add a fourth real quick that popped into my head is when he, when he took over, um, in those O2 playoffs and was just pouring it on like 40 point night after 40 point night against the Spurs, the series before against the Kings, he went on like a four or five game run of like, you know, 42 points, 38 points, 48 points, etc. in Sacramento, in San Antonio. And that's what led to that famous Shaq quote to say, you know, he's he's the he's the best player in the league by far. I remember him just like winning the Western Conference on his own, and that was the famous fifteen and one Lakers season. So that that one stands out to me. And again, we could we could go on for hours. Um, 
but yeah, so many I, good moments. My last two is um, there was a game in Toronto. Uh, I should say not in Toronto. It was in LA, but it was a regular season game in Tor- uh, against Toronto. It was the 2012 season, right? Just a random regular season game, and th- this was like a-, a very dysfunctional Laker team, as you very well know. And he hit three, three, three threes or so to put the game into overtime, and then won the game with a dunk. And these were just like. Just so hard. Like, the level of difficulty of these threes were so difficult. Rob, do you remember which game I'm talking about? I remember that. I think that was the uh, the Portland game. No, not, not Portland. It was it was against Toronto because the Portland game was in 2004. Ah, this is right. This was a few years ago. Yeah, it like just – Yeah, 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 yeah. The level yeah, it of was difficulty like, yeah, was just yeah, it was absurd. Absurd, yeah. And at that point, you know, he was already later on in his career. The, the the body was starting to go a little bit. And then the last the last two I have was the free throws after the Achilles tear in 2013. Uh, I mean, guys, tough as nails. Nails two free throws after busting his Achilles. And his final game, the 60-piece, which was so perfectly Kobe. Um, first of all, I, I heard uh, on a podcast that Ramona Shelburne was talking about, like, that was the same night the Warriors were going for 73 wins. And ESPN was airing the Warriors. ESPN 2 was airing Kobe. And that pissed him off that he was on ESPN 2, which is so fittingly Kobe because, like, the man just is, was maniacally competitive and wanted to be top billing and everything. And he goes for 60 points. He shoots 50 times. I mean, he was basically playing one on five. It wasn't the, the the most aesthetically pleasing basketball, but like the array of shots, and it was just awesome. And like basketball purists were talking about, oh, he didn't pass the ball at all. But you're like, oh, just shut up, you know. Let the guy go out on top. He's been he's battled back from numerous injuries. Let him go out on top. If he needed to shoot sixty shots to get to get his buckets, let him shoot sixty. It was twenty two of fifty, which really isn't that bad to begin with. It just so fittingly Kobe. But I mean, I really enjoyed that guy's career. I really did, and 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 as I and as he's, you know, as further and further we've gotten away from his his playing career, like I I've grown to appreciate him more almost because he was kind of old school, you know. He 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 was he didn't subscribe to this new age BS of of teaming up uh, or um. I mean, he always had good teammates, but like of like teaming up and like this Instagram, you know, commenting stuff, get your fits in before games or this load management stuff. Like he wasn't about any of that life. And uh, it's just, it's crazy. I can't believe he's gone. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that too, because it's like, it's, it's the end of that. Like he, I mean, him retiring is the end of that era. And it almost feels like some of the guys that were, you know, like some of the things, you know, his tendency to shoot a lot and high volume, like that's, we don't need to debate how good or bad that is. And if you don't agree with it or you don't like the way he played or his style at times or what he said, sure. No, you know, that's, that's, that's fine. But what I've seen or what I feel is a lot of guys, I think why this is affecting a lot of players um, as well as, of course, the fans, is they are holding on 
to that time a little bit. Like they all, they get like the new way of playing. They get the, you know, load management, you know, pace and, and, and space type of thing and shooting threes and all that. But I think what they also get is an appreciation for the past and what Kobe epitomized and how all of them or a lot of them feel like they, they don't want to let go of, of, of all of that. They all want to it sounds cheesy, but they all want a little bit of Kobe in them, a little bit of that. I'm going to play through pain yeah. or a little bit of that. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be afraid to take, you know, my shot when I feel like it's, you know, even if I'm, you know, I'll, I'll try to shoot myself out of it, or I am going to show up an extra few hours early. I mean, they, they all have that built in regardless, but they, but Kobe epitomized that for them as well. And I think that's, you know, each of them have a little bit of, of, of the, especially the greats, a little, you know, everybody's drawing from everybody else. Kobe's drawing from Jordan, you know, so on and so forth. And I think that's where he, I'm sure there's a lot of hurt. Resonated, he resonated with the current group of guys more than any other player. And, and it's funny and, and not that we're here to compare and contrast him and LeBron James, but like, Truth of the matter is, LeBron James doesn't have the same reverence as Kobe does with the current with the current players. He doesn't. He just doesn't. He doesn't resonate with them as much. They don't have the reverence for him that they do that they had for Kobe. And it's just the whole thing's cra- It's just it's just so crazy. I know Ellie had to jump off, and Rob, we're running a little late, but it was uh, it was good to talk to you guys about this. I mean, I know how much he meant to 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 you guys, and even more so than me. And and I just I can't believe we're having this conversation, but I really yeah, appreciate you guys. Yeah. Appreciate you I appreciate guys it. I will on. I will say I will say one quick thing too, yeah. Aaron. I appreciate I think by the way your your podcast is killing it and thank you. It's uh, the the one you know and I don't there's no silver lining in any of this. But the one thing that I, I did take away from yesterday, it's crazy because I didn't I didn't even know him. But all the people who you know when when when, when everyone found out like people like you who texted or friends of mine that I haven't heard from in like a year called. Um, and we don't even, I mean, it's not <laughs> like, thank God, you know, like it's not a family member of mine, but no, that ability of him to, in a sense, like you and I, before this happened, like we, we still to this day, like we debate about Kobe. Right. And we, we were, it we, was, he was in a, he was in a WhatsApp debate. Earlier that morning. Earlier that exactly. Earlier like, that friend, morning. I had a friend call me yesterday who goes, Rob, I hated Kobe Bryant more than any other player, and I don't know why I'm erect today. Yeah. And I don't know if there are that many athletes or people who would pass, God forbid, and have that type of effect where anybody that's a fan of the game or the sport or anybody in general is like, and that is tough to swallow. I didn't like him, but that is hard. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, I think his ability, like I will, I will miss that. And hopefully that still remains, but, you know, being able to be close with people because of him sounds weird, but he had that. And it's true. I mentioned that. I mentioned it in my monologue. It's, it's very yeah. true. Yeah. It's so, a, it's a, it's a crazy time. It's a crazy, yeah. crazy time. And I mean, yeah. not to, and also, I just and and his and his daughter, who yeah, was with him, just as was looking like she was going to take the mantle, 
and it's and and you can't forget about the other victims as well the other the other seven people too but 100%. It's, it's just it's just nuts man it's just nuts and 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 sports sports you know is not to to repeat myself too much sports we could spend so much time talking about sports like and, and sometimes too much time you know and I'm guilty of this as well but even if it's trivial man it it has a way of of bringing people together and it, it's just sure. crazy it's just crazy but I, yeah. I, I appreciate yeah. your time and and Ellie yeah. I appreciate his time too and we're gonna we're gonna run this back soon and and uh, we're never gonna have this this type of conversation again but it was it was really yeah. good to have. I only, hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Only I'm good, good. Co- only good combos ahead. Amen, amen. Well, all right. um, we're all Laker fans, uh, uh, f- at least for this season, because the guy was an icon, and um, and yeah, really don't have Thanks, much man. to add. Thanks so much for coming on. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks again to uh, my guests, uh, Ellie Javenfard, Rob Carpellis. I mean, I can't even. It, it's crazy that this was the uh, the tenor of the conversation, but. You know what? Life is crazy sometimes, and it's unpredictable. And 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 yeah, it was it was really good to talk with them. Um, Kobe meant a lot to them, uh, even more than he meant to me. Uh, yeah, really, really special, really special tonight. Uh, in a in a crazy, weird, sad, uplifting way. Uh, but I I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, and that's episode sixty nine for the love of the game. Take us at Fabo. Hope you're ready for that Hall of Fame. Yeah. April 13th, Mama Day forever. Kobe gone, but his legacy gonna play forever. 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 A quick 40 for my man Kobe. Now they said he gave 40 to every team in the league. So I just gave y'all a quick 40. Wake up. <laughs> Got them screaming on call, they just want more. Got them screaming on call, they just want more. Said I got them screaming on call, they just want more. Got them screaming on call, they just want more. From the Brooklyn, what's up? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.